Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to open up your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to talk about Joshua. We'll be through the whole chapter of Joshua chapter 1, but we're going to rest here on a couple things. Um, Today, it's just simply God's promises versus our perception. And we always know that God's promises is bigger than our perception, correct? Yes, sometimes we don't always see, but God is doing things in our midst. So here we catch up with Joshua. Very interesting story. So Moses has led the children of Egypt. He's been a leader. He has now passed away, and Joshua is taking up the helm. He is now the leader of the children of Israel. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to pay close attention to that last part, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We are not alone. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy this morning. We ask, God, that you help us, that you encourage us, Father, that you would just allow your spirit to speak through me and touch your people in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen, amen. You may be seated. Promise and perception. Now, God has something for us because we know his promises are yes and amen. Okay, we understand that, but we also understand that just because of experiences, things that we can allow into our life, that many times that can begin to take the steering wheel away from us, away from God, and begin to push us in a direction that we do not want to go, or drive us or steer us in a direction that we do not want to go. So it's very important that we understand that God's promises are yes and amen. I know we all have experiences, we all have these things, and sometimes we wonder, well, God, why did this work out this way, or why did it happen this way? I thought it was going to happen this way. And we step back and realize that God is still in control, although things don't look like I want them to look, or like you want them to look, or what we think they should look like. God's promises, he means what he says. Here in Numbers chapter 27, it won't be up on the screen, but you're more than welcome to turn there. Numbers chapter 27, verses 22 and 23. Also found in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9. We see that Joshua has been chosen. So Joshua has been selected from the group. Moses is speaking to God. He knows he's not going to make it to the promised land because of things that he has done. And he's saying, okay, who is going to be that guy? Who is going to be the guy that continues to take us to where you promised us, God? And in Numbers chapters 27, verse 22 and 23, it says that Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed. And then again in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, For Moses had laid hands on him, so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So we see that Joshua has been pulled. He has been selected. He has been chosen. But when we catch up with him in chapter 1, we see him in a new realm. We see him in a new leadership. Moses has died, and Joshua is now the leader. And it gets extremely difficult when you become the leader. 
It's not always easy when you have to look at a thousand foot views, and you guys know what I mean from leading your companies, leading your families, leading the situations in your life, you know? You got two kids that are getting into it. All they see is each other's side, or excuse me, all they see is their own side. It takes an adult to step in and say, okay, wait a second, let's take a whole glimpse or a whole picture of this. So here, Joshua has been doing what Moses has done now, or Moses has told him now he's responsible. I think Pastor put it so well. Now he's responsible for listening to the voice of God and what God is directing him. And as we go forward today, I want us to understand that the promises that God has for us, we know that we can count on. But there are some things that we can expect. There's some things that we're going to counter. And it's not just because it's a lack of faith. It's not because it's something that we've done. It's very huge human nature. It intrigues me. It intrigues me that as I read about Joshua, multiple times in chapter 1, he's taken the lead, and multiple times in chapter 1, God says the same thing. I am with you. Be strong and be courageous. He didn't say be strong in battle. He didn't say be courageous in battle or tell people what to do, but instead it lends us to believe that he was saying, listen, be strong and be courageous because I am with you you it's natural at times to think god are you still in this (laughs) are you still working with me here because i feel alone everybody just felt alone back during covid the first round i was in my room for seven days all by myself and i'm telling you i am not a loner i'm a people person i was just i could not do the room thing i had a two-story house so i'd sneak out of a window and walk around on my roof just to hear the squirrels i'm serious it's not a lot i would do it finally after i talked to the doctor she said well you can go outside you know you just got to slip out the house and do it this way so i went out the back door and walked around my pool four or five ten twelve times i just had to get out and uh, act like I was still human, you know what I mean? Uh, But I am not, and if you've ever done that, you've ever been in that state of loneliness, you know it's very difficult to handle. And you may have been there where you're in a room full of people. You're in a household full of family that loves you. You're surrounded by friends that you know care about you, but you can still feel alone, can't you? You can still feel like, man, am I the only one here? And as we look into the text here, we see that God is trying to show something to Joshua. That as we take on the promises of God, as we say, yes, I'm going to walk through this promise. Yes, I receive this, God. He shows us that we can feel very easily that I am alone. See, God's promise is that he is on our side and he's with us. Our perception can be, I am alone. And we need God's constant reminder in our life through Scripture, through people, however it comes, that we are not alone, that we have teamed with God and He walks with us. And despite everybody maybe feeling, maybe forsaken you or maybe you feel that way, that God is still with you. You are not alone. We know in the garden it said that what man is not good to be alone. Man is not built for that. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Why would he continuously say this to Joshua? For the last 40 years, 
He's seen God's deliverance in the children of Israel. He's seen how they have rebelled, how they have done things on their own. He's seen all these things that Moses has done, yet Moses still comes to Joshua and says, now that you're walking in the full promise that I've promised you, know that I will not leave you nor forsake you. Because what God has promised us, we have to take. It will not be given. The promise is given. Okay, the promise is given, but that potential that lies within us, that's something that we must fan. It's what Paul wrote to Timothy. You need to fan the flame, okay? You need to fan the flame and walk in what God has given you. But we can easily lend ourselves to believe that I'm all alone. I think Celine Dion puts it so well. I w- yes, I w- didn't she did? Yeah, makes you feel good about feeling bad. That's how good she sings. I was going to sing that to you, but I figured I'd let her. Recently found out that was just a remake, but she still did a good job. But Celine Dion, it helps us understand nobody wants to be by herself, do we? And we don't, you know, when you're by yourself, you find that song and you turn it on and you have a pity party on occasion. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> God is talking to Joshua, and he's saying, listen, I am with you. Now, why would he say this? Why would he say this? And this is the reason why, because loneliness is a tactic of the enemy. The enemy wants to push us into seclusion. He wants us to make us feel like we're on an island, and we are all by ourselves. Nobody's here but me. But I want you to look around. There's some people here. There's some people that want to pray and want to love you, and you know that God is on your side. So I don't know what you're going through and who needs to hear that, but you know that God is on your side. The enemy, Satan, wants to take us. That's the reason why Christ will leave the 99 to go after the one. But he would rather stay with all 100. But he's such a good God, as we talked about, that he will go after the one and leave the 99. Sometimes in our culture, we promote that one. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we give it a little bit too much interest, and God never intended that. The, the, the thing is that he will leave the 99 and to go after the one, but God intended us to stay together as a flock. As, as he is our shepherd, and we are in his flock. Think about this, Matthew 26, what does he say? He says that when the shepherd is struck, the, the sheep or the flock scatters. Because it's a tactic of the enemy. It's a tactic of Satan to get us by ourselves. We've all watched those National Geographic shows. The gazelle never makes it, you know? And the lion or the tiger or whatever it is goes after that one and and sorts it out of the group and then goes after it. And, of course, you have a hard time finding the gazelle that makes it, okay? We don't want to be that lone. God is on our side. We don't want to do that. Now, we also know that the world, the world, we're easier to influence when we're by ourselves. That's the reason why as parents, we must parent to the best of our ability because we're raising young kids and teenagers and left alone, they're going to have way too many influences on their life and it will destroy them. So we couple with them, we, we, we parent them, we love them, and we shelter them from some, not from all of it, we can't shelter them from all of it, but we, 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 we help them and we say, listen, we're going to control the influences on your life as much as we can. 
because the world wants to separate us and wants to begin to influence us happens time and time and time again. A person goes to university, gets old enough to go start their life, which is what we want them to do. Then they begin to let pride well up within them. And I'm not, just hear me out, I'm not going to do what my parents did. I'm not going to do what this person did. I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm going to make my own life. I'm on my own. And then they come back and they're so messed up because they've allowed all these influences into their life. Okay, this is good preaching here. They've let all these influences into their life because they had that lone wolf mentality. I'm going to do it. No, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for instruction. The world wants us to be alone. My wife and I were watching a documentary the other day. If you ever want to bore your 11-year-old child, just turn on the documentary, okay? You have the room to yourself. (laughs) We're, we're watching a documentary, and it was interesting to hear this particular um, story of this Muslim that was turned radical Islam, and he said, what happened is they found me. I was in a state that I was angry, that I was frustrated, that I was mad, and I felt like I was the only one that was there. So they stepped in and began to feed that, and then that's when he turned to radical Islam and did some things. Now, since then, his life has been changed. But it's a perfect story of what actually happens whenever we get alone. That's the reason why God was talking to Joshua and saying, listen, I am with you. You are not by yourself. You're going to feel like you're by yourself at times because, listen, the promises of God are higher than our thoughts. His promises are greater than our promises, and he will keep them. So we trust him that, God, what you're doing with my life, I don't always understand. It does, and if you've ever walked in God long enough, you know that sometimes your stomach gets queasy because of what God is doing in your life. You're face-to-face with what God is doing and saying, I don't know if I can make it. That's a great place to be because God is going to get the glory, but we hang on to his promises because we are not alone. You've got to speak to yourself. You're, you're, sometimes we'll speak to ourselves, and, and we're the only one. We all desire to be unique. We all desire to be chosen. There's the desires within us. We chose, desire to be chosen by friends or by spouse or be pulled out for a leadership or something like that. But we can't go too far from that. Yes, we want to be separate, but we are not alone. And we can sit back and think, well, I'm the only one that's holy, or I'm the only one that's doing what God has called me to do. Or the opposite side, I'm the only one that's struggling with this sin, I'm the only one that's doing this. And that's not a good place to be because we put ourselves in a position. Instead, listen to the voice of God, let's heed to the voice of God, that it is Christ in us. That means that we are not alone. So what he's calling us to do, so our perception must change. That although I don't see, I don't completely understand, I really don't even grasp necessarily what you're trying to do with me, God, but I know your promises are yes and amen. And that's what I'm going to cling to, and that's what I'm going to hold to. So we fight those things. We fight those things because why? Because if we stay close to Christ and we realize we're not alone, there's some wonderful things that happen to us. Now, there's some bad things that happen to us, and and I'll let you research that on your own, but the good things that happen to us is like emotionally. If we're emotionally attached, we become extremely creative. We become, we have confidence in our life to be able to create opportunities, to be able to create relationships. So when we're connected to God, and we know that we're not alone, and he's leading us from place to place, for many times it would be easier to network even if that's not within us, because there's creativity that comes across. We're waiting for an idea. We're trying to find a solution to the problem, whether it be in our job or home or whatever. But if we're emotionally connected to God, that means he can speak to us and we can become creative. Maybe physical. Remember, if we get physically detached, what happens? We become extremely vulnerable. 
But if we stay in the pack in the 99, it's safer with the 99, okay? It's always safer with Christ. Now, what we do is we don't want to wander out and think we're all by ourselves because then we create a connection to things that we were never supposed to have connections to. But because we physically feel we're alone and we won't lean in on the promise of God that we are not alone, we begin to connect ourselves physically with things, and this is not good. This is not good, especially as every one of us are leaders in our own right. We, have, we are influencers in our own right, so we physically stay close to Christ. And then spiritually, what happens if we get spiritually disconnected? We lose hope. So what happens if we stay spiritually connected and know that God is with us? Our hope rises, our faith rises, and God can use that, can he? Yeah, God can use that. And finally, even our brain. Whenever we feel lonely, whenever we feel detached, it's so easy to forget things. It's so easy to, to not know things to do. It's so easy to get distracted. But when we're with God and we know that we're not alone, all of a sudden even our brain function works better because we know we have something to rely on. We have something that can recall our memory. It's crazy whenever you put just the physical side of these together and you say, okay, what does loneliness outside of the spiritual world, what does a person who endures loneliness really, really, what do they encounter? And it's crazy how health can deplete how mind and mentalness can deplete in these things. So us knowing that we're with God and we're not lonely will help us in every area. But we have to keep that connection red hot. Now, I used to drive older. My first truck was a 73 Ford Courier. You guys, some of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? 73, I'll never forget it. I was in the car with my friend, and he said, I asked him, I said, do you want me to turn on the air conditioner? And he said, yes. So I pulled out the vents on the side. See, some of y'all don't know very much about that. The air conditioner worked better the faster you went down the road. It's just that simple, okay? But a 73 Ford Courier, and this is what I found out about some of those older vehicles. When I'd get in and turn my ignition on, it wasn't that the battery was down or the car wasn't ready to be started. Some corrosion got around the battery cable, and there was no good connection between the battery cable and the battery. So it never got to, the energy never got to where it needed to be. In our lives, it's not that you're not ready to do something for God. And it's not that God's not ready to do something in your life. It's just that connection may need to be cleaned off and say, God, everything between me and you, is it red hot? Are we ready to go? Because you've got some promises in my life. And whenever you get to that point, it's amazing what God will do. But we fight that lone wolf mentality. Now, how do we fight that lone wolf mentality? Because it happens to us all. How do we fight that loneliness? It's just all by myself. Well, if you read in the first chapter of Joshua, it's amazing what he tells Joshua. He just tells him simple things. He says, listen, be strong and of good courage. Simply put, keep going, man. It's going to get scary. It's going to get hard because I'm pushing you. I'm stretching you. I'm making you. You're doing some things you've never done, but you keep going. Be strong and of good courage. And that's how we fight that is we say, God, I'm going to fight with all my might to stay connected to you, stay connected to the people of God. And then he goes on. He tells him something else really simple that we know. Meditate on God's law. For us, it's meditate on God's word. The closer we become to Christ, the more we'll want his word. The more we want his word, the more we be come the more we get uh, close to Christ because we find out how good he is and how he doesn't he's not holding things back out of our lives because he's trying to be a mean God as we're ready he wants to release those into our life so that he can use us in the promise that he's already ordained for our life so we get in there and we meditate 
How do I handle myself? Because in the word is everything that we'll need. It'll help us in situations. It'll help us find answers. And then he finally goes on. He tells Joshua at another spot. He says, listen, be careful to do. Be careful to do what? Hold up the law or do God's law. What is he saying? We've got to apply that word in our heart. It's not just enough to study it. The the details matter. I'm searching the word of God, and if it's important to you, God, it becomes important to me. If it's not important to you, then I don't make it something that it's not. I don't make, um, you know, a, a, a hill into a mountain or vice versa. If it's important to you, God, it'll be important to me. And the only way I know to do that is sometimes we have to sweat the details, don't we? Sometimes we have to sweat the details. We see in the Old Testament multiple times what got people in trouble. They didn't sweat the details. With the Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't care about the details. As long as they looked the part, as long as they spoke the part, that was good enough. But God said, listen, your cup is dirty. You need to be clean from the inside and out. So I'm going to sweat those small things. And God, what you call holy, I'm going to call holy. What you're excited about, I'm going to be excited about. And then we understand that when we're not alone with God, when we're alone, <laughs> when, we got, when we have God with I hate when I get tongue-tied. Ugh, brutal. And I keep trying, I should just stop and do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> He's going to make our way prosperous. He said, listen, you will find success, you'll be, uh, you'll, be, you'll be prosperous, and you'll take the land in which I've told you to take. That's what he promised Joshua. But how do we do it? He doesn't want us taking the land by ourselves. We couldn't handle it once we got there. Prosperity? Oh, we only want that with Christ and in Christ. And we want to prosper as our soul prospers. We don't want to prosper the other way around because that never works. And success is great, but when we have Christ as our God and we know we're not alone, that's when that success means the most. And he's talking to Joshua, and he goes, listen, I know that you're the leader and you're doing this, but you keep going. The second thing as we move on here, I see this, perception. I see this, that God is moving. Sometimes my perception is God is idle. God is moving forward, okay? He is moving in our lives. He is moving on our behalf, especially whenever our desires line up with the desires of the world, which are with the word. Whenever our desires line up with the desires of the wor- word to expand the kingdom, to build the kingdom, then God can really begin to unleash things in our life. And here we catch Joshua. Moses is dead. The funeral has not been too far over. People are mourning. They love Moses. People are funny, aren't they? One, night, one day they're telling you to take you out of office. The next year, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And these were the children of Israel. And if you've ever led, you know people are people. And, he's, and he says, listen, Moses is dead. My servant is dead, but you're the man. And you would think, now they did the ritualistic stuff, and they, they honored Moses, but we cannot think that God was being idle. No, during that whole time, he was still preparing Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 and Joshua commanded the officers of the people. You have to love it. Ten, okay, Moses has just died. Ten verses later, Joshua is getting his people together and saying, listen, I want you to go through the camp and start rallying people. Tell them to take their possessions because we're about to go take the land. Why? Because God moves. God moves. We see something in Joshua. We see this thing called fortitude. It's courage despite the pain. He loved Moses. If you read the whole first chapter of Joshua, all he does is talk about Moses. It references Moses. Shows that Joshua had a great relationship. He wasn't waiting on Moses to die. Truthfully, how do we know how much Joshua wanted to lead until he absolutely knew that it was God's will? Because he loved Moses. 
But you see this fortitude that despite the pain, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to go forward. Now, one of, the, one of the movies we love at our house is, is Madagascar, and uh, we could use a little crazy theology. It's called Crazy Frog. All right, way more shoulder movement than the first service. All right, it's all. Okay? We don't do it anymore. But when we were younger, in my household, I liked to move it, move it. I liked it. That's my dancing skill. My daughter's in use, so I can't do much more of that, okay? <laughs> we have to create this thing that's deep inside of us that we love to move. Listen, goodbyes are hard. We see Joshua saying goodbye to Moses, and it's hard. Pain is difficult. Getting over the past is not easy. Whenever we encounter true loss, whether it be emotional or physical or even material loss, that we, we, we know that we feel like God had planted in our life is extremely difficult. But we fall in love with this concept that we like to move it, move it. That despite not knowing what's going on, that God is not being idle, he still has this promise that I need to walk in, that I need to go forward. It is time to rally the troops of your house. It is time to rally the troops of your company or whatever situation you're in and saying, God still has a promise for us. So we're gonna move forward. Joshua goes to the camp, gather your positions, possessions, children of Israel. We're going to go take what God said that we could have. And it's not easy because you kind of feel guilty, don't you? You see suffering and frustration over here, yet you feel like you're supposed to move on. You have a bunch of wonderful memories, but you're thinking, how do I move on from that? One step at a time. But know in that when God's calling you to move forward, whether it be a position change, whether it be a family situation, whether it be a relationship situation, maybe you've lost somebody very near and dear to your heart and you're trying to move forward. Know that that mechanism is built with inside of us, that we are to move forward because whenever we plant our life upon the rock of Christ, he intends for his church to continue. He contends for those promises to be yes and amen and us to walk in them. The miracle is not that he takes us out of the situation. That's what we want many times. And sometimes it would be really nice. God, take me out of the storm. The miracle is that his will happens despite the storm. That's the true miracle. Is that despite things being thrown at you, despite the world doing the things and the friends or disbelief or you feeling lonely or whatever the situation is, that God's promises still come through. That's the miracle that only he can accomplish I love the old song, where do you go? I go to the rock. You guys remember that old song? I love it. I go to the rock. I go to the rock of my salvation. The Lord is the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain, and the mountain stands by me. Earth all around me sinking sand. On Christ the holy rock I'll stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I run to the rock. I didn't mix two songs there, did I? Oh, I got that all right. It felt good, so I just went with it. It did. But in seriousness, that's what we do is we build our life upon that rock. 
And the gates of hell will not prevail, and we know that. So we must move. And listen, we have to fight through some of those feelings. We have to fight through some of those situations, some of those past experiences, and say, God, you're still telling me to move. And it's an emotion that's very difficult because on one side we sit and we feel like, God, I should be idle, I need to be respectful, or I need to do this, and we should be all of that. But at the same time, we move forward constantly in what God has for us because there is a time when he's going to say, rally the troops, get them together, because we're going to go and continue on what I've told you to do. Psalms 1, 8, 1 through 2. Psalms 18, 1 uh, 1 and 2. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield. The horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Jehovah, Sali, the Lord, our rock. Whenever we read that scripture, it's calling out to Jehovah, Sali, the Lord, my rock this is the thing we know in the new testament it teaches us to build our house upon the rock it says a lazy man will build his house upon the sand a wise man will build his house upon the rock but it's not like they had a pile of sand over here and a bunch of pile of rocks over here and you chose which one what they were saying is that the rocks are hidden below the sand so if you're going to build your house upon the rock you have to sift through the sand dig it out so you can have the firm foundation there's some things in our life that we have to do to dig out to find out where God is we know that we're not alone we know that he's called us for a promise I know that my perception is not always true that it's God's promises are yes and amen so I'm going to dig through some of those lies I'm going to dig through some of those experiences I'm going to push those to the side until I find the bedrock of Jesus Christ and and that's where I plant myself. And when I do that, I know that my prom- the promises that he gives me will happen because he is my deliverer. I go to the rock. That's where in times, of shelter, in times of storm I find my shelter. But I know that it's not my perception, it's God's perception. So you're on the rock. And people have their own plans and ideals for us many times, don't they? But you know what God's been speaking to you? You've leaned in. You're leaning into the Spirit of God. He's speaking to your heart through His Word, maybe through people. And that really brings me to one of my last points on here that we see. Is that in Scripture I see that God confirms He never conforms. This is, this is a very difficult one. It doesn't mean that He didn't come down to earth and give His heart and His life for us. Yeah, He did that. But what, when we read the scripture, the last thing that we need to think of is, God, you'll just accept it. It will be okay. God confirms his promises. He'll never conform his promises. It is my job and your job that I do not say, okay, God, here's your promise. Conform it to my life. But much the, the, the other is, is how we do it, is I go to God and say, here's my life. Let me conform it to your promise. And then as I do that, you will allow people to confirm it in our life. Joshua has this experience, but it's not till the very end of Joshua chapter 1. Now, it's very important that we realize what Joshua has gone through. He was taking over leadership. He is listening to God. He is already moving in the footsteps of Moses and doing what God has called him to do, to go take the promised land. And this is verse 17 and verse 18. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we'll obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And we see people are confirming what God has spoken to him. 
But it's not till he begins the process and really launches himself into the promise of God. That's the reason why we realize that God is with us and we are not alone and God is not on idle. He's wanting to move forward in our life. And we have that place where we rally everybody, but we get to that place where we say, God, I'm not going to conform your promise to my life, but rather my life is conformed to your promise. And then as I do that, we will see confirmation happen in our life. I think we could use a little bit of mercy me theology that you found me. He found us. He's coming into our situation, into our life, and saying, listen, I'm here with you, but you're going to have to change. And I love the theology of mercy me. I love that in the sense that understanding that you found me. God loves us so much that he came down in our situation as we were, and he said, listen, I found you. Now, you give your life to me, I'm going to send some markers your way to let you know that you're walking in the right path. Because his promises are so important to us that we don't want to misplace them. We don't want to get lost in the shuffle that, God, what you're speaking to me, what you're showing me, God, I want to do it with all of my heart. But we all have those questions. God, is this the right choice? Is this the right place? Is this the right investment? Is this the right person? And this is what I'm convinced of, that if you really want to know those things, God will show you those things. If you want the approval of God more than you want the success of that situation or what seems to be success, he'll really show you what you're supposed to do. But what we do, and we all have failed at it, we see an opportunity, we see a relationship, we see a situation and we begin to call that the promise of God, begin to conform it to our life, and then we wonder why it didn't work out like we were supposed to. As opposed to stepping back and saying, God, what I desire from you is your confirmation more than anything because it's your approval. I know that there won't be true success without your approval. I know that the land will not be what the land says it's going to be without your approval. I will know that I will never really experience true prosperity without your approval. So God, I desire to hear your voice speak to me, whether it's through a person or through the word or through the Holy Spirit. And here we see in Joshua, he didn't have to go around and say, hey, I'm the new leader of Israel. Hey, I know this. No, people were saying, listen, dude, we're following you. We're gonna obey you. And as, as God was with Moses, we know that he's with you. So you be strong and you be courageous. And I love the confirmation. So whatever promise you're longing for, whatever you're going for, realize that God has that confirmation. God has that in your life, what he's calling you to, what he's stretching you for. You may think, God, have you gotten me this far? He didn't get us this far to turn us around. He didn't get you that far not to speak to you. So what things do we have to clean off to make sure our connection is clear? God, I know that you're not being an idol. I know that you're with me and I am not alone. So I stand on your promise, I stand on you as the rock. That God, whenever you speak, I'll listen, and I know that when you confirm, because I'm in your promise. Does it matter how big it is? Does it matter what the task looks like? God, I can trust you above all, but I've got to hear your voice. And I don't know what situation you're in, but I want to encourage you this morning that the promises that God has set up in your life, he means to keep them. He means to keep them. So we say, God, I know that I'm with you and I'm not alone, despite what I feel like. And many of you guys know what true loneliness feels like. 
But despite those feelings, God, I know that you're with me. And I know that you're asking me to move forward. Yeah, it's hard. There's some hurt. I got to forgive or whatever the situation is. But God, you are not an idol. God, you're causing me and telling me to move forward. Then ultimately, God, I know that you're going to send confirmation my way. That you'll allow confirmation that I'm moving in the right direction. And whenever we really seek that, he'll really give that to us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. And as we've taken a look at Joshua's life, we just pray for your guidance. We could be at multiple different stages. We could be stuck in one stage. We could be trying to get the whole picture of what you've promised us. But as we read Joshua, we know, God, that that doesn't always happen like we think it does. And we must hear your voice. Father, for anybody who's in the room, anybody who's on the other side of the device that they're streaming by, I pray against the loneliness that they may feel. That desire to just stop just to give in to the feelings of anxiety or depression. Those things, God, that are from Satan. And I just pray, God, that whoever it is would recognize that they are not alone, that you are with them. You're not going to make the task smaller. You're not going to call them for something less because you know what you've called them for and they can accomplish it through you. So Father, right now, just an overwhelming sense of your presence would fill their hearts and fill their lives that you got their back, you're on their side. Father, for that individual who's stuck idle in that place, for whatever reason, God, we just lift them up to you and edify them this morning. Whatever has them in chains, keeping them in that place, keeping them from moving forward, keeping them from fully understanding that you're a God who wants to take them to that place that you've promised them that place of freedom, that place of joy, that place of leadership. And despite their circumstance, God, they realize that you have destined them for that. They no longer have to stay where they're at. God, we just lift them up to you. And Father, for the many times that your promises are amazing and great, but we want to conform them to what we want. God, that we would have the discipline and the desire to say, we know that what you have for us is the best. So give us the strength to change. Give us the strength to declare. Give us the strength to walk in, we pray. Would you stand with me all across the congregation this morning?
If you feel comfortable, would you grab your neighbor's hand if you feel comfortable? We're going to pray for each other this morning. If you feel comfortable and you know them, you might even ask, hey, what do you need prayer for? Is there anything specifically that I can pray for you on? And I'll be down here at front. If anybody needs special prayer, we want you to know that we're here for you. But this morning, I want us to look around, find that person that we can pray for. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we dismiss, we just lift up our neighbor to you, God. We lift them up, God. You have called them to be Joshua's. You've called them to capture the promise that you've laid in their heart, that you've promised in your word. And Father, despite what the task look like, despite what they have to lay down, despite, Father, what the change may be, God, that they'll do it with an open heart and a heart of gladness towards you. Because your promises are yes and amen. You don't withhold good things from your children. So Father, help us to walk in that thing. Help us to rally the troops and say God is bringing us to the next place. Help us to realize that if our connection, God, has been lost, that right now it is reignited by the Holy Spirit. That we hear you mentally, we hear you in our heart, God, and we're willing to do what you've called us to do. Father, you know the needs that are represented in the room. You know the needs that are represented on the other side of the camera, God. We pray for the ones who need physically he physical healing, that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, you would just work a miracle, God. Work on their behalf. We know that you're a healer. Father, for the ones who are emotionally or, or financially struggling, God, they're struggling with decisions and they have that internal unrest, God, that you would send peace their way, Father. That you would truly open up those windows of heaven and pour out a blessing of peace, God, of grace, of mercy, of finances, God. You see where they're at. And Father, as we go out from here, that we would honor you this next week, that our voices would be lifted, that we would be lights unto a fallen world, and we would do it with a heart ablaze, with joy. God, we love you so very much, and we pray blessings on this wonderful congregation. Let your face shine on them, we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. We love you guys so much. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.